I want to tell you a little bit about the Merchant of Death, Victor Bout. Now, his origins are a little murky. He was born probably in Soviet Tajikistan, so in Soviet Central Asia, 1967. No one's quite sure of the day. Um, we're not quite sure exactly what he was doing as a uh, as a young man in the in in the 80s. But by the time the 90s rolled around and the Soviet Union fell apart, he found a very profitable business in selling illegal arms. Um, Ukraine at the time, for example, was just just a hot mess. They had all of these top flight Soviet weapons because most of the Soviets good stuff was in places like Ukraine closer to NATO than in Russia itself. So Ukraine had all of these uh, high tech weapons, state of the art stuff that they had no use for and they had no money. They couldn't even pay their military officers. So if uh, a guy like Victor Bout shows up with some cash to some uh, former Soviet army base in Ukraine and a general who hasn't been able to feed his family that week is given a uh, sizable offer for whatever it is he can uh, pass along. Yeah, something like $32 billion worth of weapons were stolen by Bout out of Ukraine in the 90s. Just a significant number of things. He spent the 2000s, the early part of the 2000s, uh, getting heavily involved in Africa, selling uh, whatever it was to whatever uh, thug, kleptocrat, warlord, whoever it was. This guy, Victor Bout, was getting him weapons. He finally got arrested in Thailand in 2008. It was part of a DEA sting. He was trying to sell, he thought, uh, Soviet anti-aircraft missiles to the FARC, communist revolutionary guerrillas in Colombia. <clears throat> so we're talking about our backyard here. Uh, he was finally extradited to the U.S. in 2010 after two years of negotiations with Thailand. And he was convicted in 2012 of approximately everything and sentenced to 25 yeah. years in prison. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. The so the <laughs> I started to say the Soviets, the Russians have been trying to get him freed since he was first arrested in Thailand in 2008. And they really haven't stopped this effort whatsoever. Just a deeply bad guy. And he was working, by the way, uh, with for and at the behest of Russian intelligence when he was doing all that nasty stuff in Africa in the early 2000s. So Moscow knows who he is. He's done them a lot of good work. And, you know, uh, palms in the Kremlin were greased by this guy. Um, yeah, a lot of grease. So I wanted you to, to know just who Victor Bout is, because he's the guy that Presidentish Joe Biden just traded for a very ingrateful anti-American black lesbian female basketball star who was dumb enough to bring her personal pot stash into Russia on a uh, on a trip there. Yeah. Scott, I, I want to start with you because you're usually, usually the nicer one in this group. Um, you know, I can't even get my hands around this, my brain well, around this enough to answer a sensible I, question because I'm so mad. I'd be glad was to just jump right in. Yeah. Was this a good deal that Biden made? Well, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, said it was basically the deal that could be made. It was the deal that was on the table. There was no other deal available. They couldn't make a deal for that um, that discharged former oh, U.S. Uh, Marine who um, apparently speaks like six – or no, no, he has like four citizenships. He's, he's a citizen of, of like uh, Ireland and a couple of other countries as well as the yeah, United Canadian States. Anyway, they couldn't, they couldn't make a deal for him – uh, but they could make a deal for Brittany Griner, uh, the WNBA player and former Olympian. Um, and so they took the deal they could make. So that's the excuse coming from the Biden administration. Um, 
And by the way, I need to make uh, two corrections. And this is another factor because we read everything. I believe Victor's last name is pronounced Boot. And also that he was born in Ubeki Becky Becky Stan Stan. So, <laughs> so it's pronounced boot. Okay, my bad. Again, this is what I, I get for reading everything. I, I never watched TV. I think it's boot. I think it's boot. I could be corrected. Okay. I'm sure that's why God created the comments section. Um, Indeed. But anyway, just imagine being Brittany Griner for a moment and being able to go through the rest of your life and saying to people, you know, because I inadvertently forgot to take my hash oil stash out of my carry-on bag, uh, the merchant of death is now free in the world again. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. this is a guy who's the classic arms merchant who was selling weapons to both sides of, a, of an individual war. He would sell it to the rebels and to the government at the same time when they were shooting at each other, all with Victor's weapons that he had, had procured for them. So, you know, I, I, it made me think, we always say we won't leave any American behind. And I think that's a great instinct. But it's like, to what extent are you willing to risk a greater evil to to keep that creed, even in the face of the fact that you've got somebody who, through her own stupidity, at the very least, wound up in custody? I mean, who goes to another country Every time I travel, if I if I go to Pennsylvania, I'm going through my bags to make sure I don't inadvertently have something in there that shouldn't be in there. Not that I have hash oil or anything, but but I'm going through and saying, okay, I don't want to pack anything that I don't absolutely need. Did I did could I have possibly dropped a pen knife in my carry-on? Unlikely, yeah. but if I did before I travel, I would have found that pen knife and it would be gone because I don't want them to confiscate it at the TSA checkpoint. But how do you a world traveler like Brittany Griner make the excuse that, oh, I forgot that my hash oil <laughs> was was in the suitcase. So, you know, then do does the entire U.S. government say, okay, we need to get her back. What can we trade for her? And Vladimir says, hey, we've got this guy, Victor Boot, who's been cooling his heels. He's only about half done his sentence, but uh, we sure would like him out because you know what? He was the FedEx of Russia. He was able to get things where they needed to be when they needed to be there. Um, yeah, I, it's a bad deal. And you have to like, you. what are you going to do? Say, Anthony Blinken, no, 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 no. You were too soft in the negotiations. That's why this was the only deal that could be made. I wasn't there. I don't know how that works. And I know Putin's probably a much stronger negotiator <laughs> because frankly, he doesn't care if either one of those people takes a bullet. Okay, you're yeah. right about Steve. You're right about Scott being the nicer of the of the two of us. Uh, first of all, when I was watching this news coverage yesterday, even on the five, they were ritually saying, "Look, I'm glad she's back in America. I'm glad she's back yeah, in America." Yeah, we don't leave our people. I'm not. Behind. I'm, I'm not glad she's back in America. <laughs> I am not glad that she's back in America. I'm not the slightest bit glad that he, that she's back in America. Forget the deal, right? I am not the slightest bit. Glad this is a person who who took a knee during the national anthem because it's such a horrible, wretched, terrible, nasty place. She flies to Russia. She inadvertently forgot to remove her hash oil. BS, 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 and everybody knows it. She is an entitled, spoiled, rotten, no good for nothing American trader, and she went over there with material that she knew was contraband, but she figured nothing could happen to her because nothing ever happened to her here in the United States. Hmm. When you say leave no man behind, we're talking about the military. We're talking about people who are heroes, or at the very least, we're talking about American citizens who are who are illegally detained. The, 
when, when my wife got her citizenship, the first thing I said to her is, honey, from now on, if something happens to you, somebody's going to send aircraft carriers to make sure, you know, if you, if you, get, if you get kidnapped in some other country, we're coming to get you. Make sure you go but, through her suitcases this, for yeah. the hash oil before she this travels, is, though. Yeah, well, there you go. But this is, but this isn't the, this isn't the case with her. She she knew what she was doing. She broke the laws. She went to a country that was already massing on the border of Ukraine. And she, but more than anything, she completely denounced the United States, took a knee, and 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 basically, yeah. is in my opinion. That's just not an American, as far as I'm concerned. You can stay in, in the Russian jail because of your arrogance and your and your and your attitude and your virtue signaling. But more importantly than that, right, is this business where the where Biden administration said, "Well, it's the only deal. That, it, was, it was the only deal on the table." Okay, I believe that. I believe it's the only deal on the table. It doesn't mean you have to take it. Bingo. If I go into a negotiation with somebody and they say, "I'll tell you what, you you give me a hundred dollars and I'll give you a dollar back," and that's the only deal on the table. Then you walk away from that deal. You just walk away from it. And there was and, a lot of pressure is, from outside groups and a lot of money raised to lobby the Biden uh, administration to, to yeah. do just this thing. Yeah. So what, what outside groups were lobbying for this for this anti-American to come back, right? What outside groups were they? And and who is Biden and the Biden administration beholden to? Last time we made a trade this bad, it was the other uh, uh, Democrat. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it was Obama Lord. and uh, uh, Bergdahl. Yeah. Yeah. So we traded five top Al Qaeda terrorists, not just for a soldier, because I would have at least I would have at least considered that trade. But we traded five top terrorists for a deserter who got other soldiers killed looking for him. And this was paraded as a big, big, uh, you know, uh, 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 diplomatic coup. And as many people have pointed out, now now all you need to do if you want to get Russians out of out of American jails, just find some American who's speeding or whatever the case, arrest him, lock him up. But make sure if you're going to arrest an American in order to swap him for a major Soviet asset or Russian asset, be sure to make sure that they're either at least black, gay or women. One of those. All three is is a home run because this whole thing was about was about the fact that that this was. This was perceived to be a win for the Biden administration because it made his base happy. Yeah. And my base would have been to get the Marine back. And my base would have been to get the Marine back and not trade for, uh, for uh, this guy. Who, look, the guy is a weapons dealer, right? He has undoubtedly got arms stashed around the mm. world. They're just sitting in warehouses someplace. He's got them sitting there and he's... And he, can't access the money because he's in prison, but no question he's got them. And the reason Putin wants him is because he needs weapons. He needs new weapons. And these things have been have been basically warehoused someplace. Yeah, there was no so there was no outcry from the common Russian man or woman saying, "Free this <laughs> beloved uh, hero of of Mother Russia." So, so we spend what was it so far in Ukraine? Hundred billion dollars in Ukraine? Okay. It's getting up there, yeah. We're fighting Russians, and and they're and they are geopolitical enemies. So I don't have any problem with that. But what we just did was we've sent a hundred billion dollars to the Ukraine, and now we've just sent an enormous arms shipment to the Russians to kill Ukrainians with, yeah. and all of this to get to get this this entitled, spoiled, nasty, ungrateful, horrible, wretched person back to America. No, uh-uh, no. I am not a fan of this deal, and I think it's it, I think it's bordering on treason. To release somebody who is that valuable to the enemy in exchange for 
an anti-American person who was guilty of the charges. Right. It's not like they were trumped up charges. It's not like they kidnapped her off the yeah. street. Whelan was convicted of trumped up charges. Yes, exactly. And he's a patriot and he's a soldier. That guy you want to get back. But no, 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 no. He's going to stay in rotten prison because he's not because he's not part of the alphabet mafia. Yeah, it is. And, and this well, is the world we live in now. And details leaving of behind this Marines deal. is what Joe Biden does. You know, details of this deal aside, and, and let's pretend Victor Boot wasn't involved in this. It, it is interesting to me that the United States will, under any administration, try to get back the person who protested against the U.S. government. So, like, we will make an effort to go get that person and retrieve them, bring them back to the United States. And that is, I, I don't know how many countries, you know, if if somebody had refused to salute the Russian flag or, you know, or acknowledge Vladimir Putin in some way, and we were keeping them prisoner in the United States for no, for no other reason, you know, uh, you know, unrelated to arms trade or whatever, I, I don't think Putin would care. Putin would say, oh, yeah, that, we'd keep that person. We don't care. We will go and bring you back if you're, a, if you're a traitor to the cause. It doesn't matter to us because you've got that badge of American citizenship and we're going to go get you. Now, in the course of doing that, it seems to me there's got to be some kind of way of negotiating a trade that isn't just prisoner for prisoner. Like there's got to be other concessions that could be made. Absolutely. You could say, yes. okay, here, I'll tell you what, you release Brittany Griner and then we do this for you. Not related to the merchant of death walking. The other thing that struck me about this was I didn't realize how much like the movies real life is. Did you see the actual exchange video? I mean, it's just like a movie scene. It's on the yeah. tarmac. There's two airplanes. They literally walk right next to each other, going in opposite directions. And, you know, the one, the Russian guy who's escorting Brittany Griner goes over and hugs Victor Boot and, you know, and then Brittany peels off and goes to the airplane that she's going to. I mean, it's, it's just like you see prisoner exchanges in the movies. And I thought, I had no idea they really did it that way. That seems so silly, but I, I guess that's watch. the only way to confirm that it's actually happening. So we traded a guy who's 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 a weapons dealer who who is an enemy of the United States in exchange for this. We got a basketball player who's an enemy of the United States. Yeah. That's a swell yeah, freaking but, deal. But does she and, have any good best, good years left in her career? I mean, look, if if, if it, well, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because so far the best comment I've ever heard about this was in the Instapundit comment section, and that was, well, at least for a few weeks, people can finally remember the name of an M, of a WNBA player. That's right. Uh, wow. And, Harsh but true. And, right. And so, and so, okay, there's the deal. Now, I'll tell you what I am curious about. I'm curious to know whether Brittany Griner is going to continue to take a knee at the national anthem. I'm curious to know if she's going to make a speech of some kind, some kind of statement thanking the United States of America for coming after her. Yeah. Because you're right, Scott, we go after our citizens. I think she was worth a phone call, right? That's what I, th that's, that's the sure. amount of money. I think the amount that I would have traded for Brittany Griner was a call from the State Department saying, hey, can you let this person go? Do we have any kind of deal that we can make here? Because she's a U.S. citizen and that has value. Beyond that, she can stay there. In fact, I have long maintained that we that, that we should be more than willing to do a one-for-one -one trade for anybody who wants to come to this country and work hard and, and become a U.S. citizen and be part of the melting pot. We should accept every one of those in a one-for-one -one trade for people like this who say this is a horrible country that don't want to live here anymore. I think I think that would be the most healthy thing you could do to America would be to trade out 200,000 college professors for 200,000 factory workers. I think 
I think that would, that, that's a trade I would make. Yeah, well, it's, we wouldn't it, it, it wouldn't even necessarily need the factory workers. I'd love to have them, but if we could just get rid, <laughs> just get rid of them. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's it is always the case that negotiations are won by the person who has walkaway power, and if the person yes. who has walkaway power doesn't give a damn and says, "Hey, if this whole thing blows up and both of these people die, I don't care." In fact, right. that strengthens me because then the United States understands that they are dealing with what appears to be a madman, at least, and that I'm willing to let it all burn in order to get what I want. And so then Blinken goes back to his staff and they all wring their hands and clutch their pearls, as Bill would say. And they go, oh, my goodness, you know, Putin, he doesn't care. He, he'll kill Brittany Griner and he doesn't care if we kill uh, Victor Boot. So, you know, we've got to make a deal with this guy because it's the only deal we can get. And that's just bad negotiation skill when you yeah. get it down to the point where the, the whole thing turns on who has walkaway power because we never do and he always does. I can think of somebody who would have made a better deal than that. Anybody. I can think of somebody who's 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 known for being a tough negotiator who would who would have made a better deal than that. And um and I may be mistaken about this, but to your point about walkaway power, I'm not aware that we traded anything to get our 52 hostages back, that the reason they yeah. gave us our hostages back was because they were scared to death that Ronald Reagan was serious about this and that he wasn't going to put up with this BS anymore. Well, he was the so walkaway power guy in that in that dynamic. Precisely. Yep. Yes, precisely. But, but my point is, I don't think we had to give anything up to the Iranians to get these people back. No. We were we were in such a strong position, which is. You know, it's it's really weird and strange to think about the most powerful nation in the world being in a strong negotiating position because God knows we never behaved that way. But but they basically were so afraid of Ronald Reagan that they put those hostages on the plane. I, I did a piece on this, in the, I think, of the Cold War. It's entirely possible that they were in the air when Reagan was was making his first um, inauguration they were, speech. They were boarding, if I remember correctly, uh, I remember watching his inaugural speech uh, in sixth grade, and it was in split screen with the hostages getting on the plane mm -hmm. uh, Did he in announce, Tehran. In my memory, it was announced while he was speaking. Yeah. During the inaugural address. Maybe. I'm not sure on I that. I remember but the that's, split screen. That's how it sticks in my memory. It was like yeah. literally at that moment. And I know, I, I was listening to an audio tape on negotiation once. And the guy said, basically, you know, the Carter administration contact with the Iranians said, look, you know, you may, you may want to make a deal with us because this crazy SOB Reagan is coming in here. <laughs> Who knows what he will do? Uh -huh. And the previous president, not to Reagan, to the current uh, occupant, was also known as a crazy SOB who might do anything who said to Vladimir Putin at a private dinner in confidence, leaned over to him and said, oh, by the way, Vlad, I, I checked this three times. It's it's verified. Uh, by the way, Vlad, if you decide to go into Ukraine, I'm going to hit Moscow. Yeah. So guess I, what I, I think happen? what he said was bomb the Kremlin. He said, well, so guess what yeah. didn't happen? So people say, would he have really bombed the Kremlin? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It, what it did was it made Putin uncertain as to whether or not the Kremlin would be bombed. And it, and it calculated his firing solution to the point where he didn't take the risk. And and you know what? From what we've seen of Russian air defenses, uh, it would not have been a big deal to bomb no. the Kremlin. No. It's completely underperformed against Ukraine. By Dwight Eisenhower when he was president. He he kept 
his thoughts very close to the vest. He didn't really let anybody know what his views were with the use of like battlefield nuclear weapons or tactical nu nuclear weapons. And he always wanted the adversary to believe that he just might. And every once in a while, they'd kind of leak out some information that made it seem like he was thinking about something like that. Now, I think years well, later, oh, also he said- he had Curtis LeMay on a leash. And yeah. well, sometimes the, you drop the leash, things happen. But this, this is. But why, I, this I think later he said the, he would not have done it, except under the most extreme circumstances. Sure. But he could not let the Russians know at the time that he would not have done it. They had to believe that he might. The that was the Steve mentioned Lemay, and I'm going to trot it out again. This is my favorite quote of I all time in terms of politics, deterrence, and maintaining the peace. Maintain not maintaining war, not going to war. Maintaining the peace. This is how it works. You have a president who seems like a reasonable guy, but with, an, with, but with a real like, clear idea of what America's interests are and the willingness to defend them. And he can be the reasonable person who has a number of options. But the defense secretary needs to be perceived as a rabid dog that is straining at the least to launch every single weapon we have because he wants to see them in, in action. And <laughs> For no other LeMay, reason. Curtis LeMay, who was the... Who, who, by the way, Curtis LeMay was the guy who, who, who before he took over Strategic Air Command... It was LeMay who sent the B-29s in to firebomb Tokyo and firebomb Japan at low altitude because we weren't getting any results at high altitude. So LeMay is like, I'm, so you already know what Curtis LeMay is before this point comes up. So then LeMay's in charge of the Strategic Air Command, right? At the time, that's, we really don't have the, the, the sub-base missiles. And so the, the bomber fleet is essentially our primary nuclear deterrent. And the Strategic Air Command, which is no longer around, had the coolest logo of all time. It was a it was a shield with a with a gauntlet. It was a it was a, a it was a steel fist. It was a gauntlet, and it's clutching a lightning bolt against a blue sky with stars in it. It's just it's awesome. And below that, on the on the crest, it says "Peace is our profession." And so, does some some liberal journalist was interviewing LeMay, you know, trying to poke him because he's such a you know red baiting warmonger, and and they said to him, uh, "Geez, General." Don't you find it a little hypocritical? You, you know, you, you've got uh, you've got the most powerful destructive force in the history of the world. You're capable of annihilating virtually everybody on the entire planet. And your motto is peace is our profession. Don't you find that a little ironic? And LeMay just need to be, skip a beat. He said, oh, no, no, peace is our profession. War is just something we do for kicks. Perfect. And when you got a guy like that there, no one's going to mess with the big dog. But when you but when you have things like this craven withdrawal from Afghanistan and all of these, well, I guess if it was just a cross border incursion, we probably wouldn't do much about it. You might as well just roll out a red carpet yeah. for the guy. He's not going to have an opportunity like this again with this kind of weakness. So, yeah, look, Biden didn't cause the invasion of Ukraine, but he could have stopped it. And I don't mean stopped it by putting tanks there. He could have stopped it by basic. Well. It was it was probably inevitable already... after the after the bungled Afghan bug out. Yes, and and just to wrap this up because this thing needs a needs a nail driven into it. This this Griner exchange. The Soviets respected Ronald Reagan when he came to office, but they thought he was essentially a paper tiger that he talked a tough game. And the Iranians caved when they didn't have to, and Reagan was in law office something like three or four months when he was confronted with the PATCO strike, the Air Traffic, traffic Controllers, controllers. Professional Air Traffic Controllers Organization. They said they're going to go on strike. Reagan said, you're a public service. You're, you're, you're government employees. You're not allowed to strike. It's a, you're, you're not allowed to. It's in your contract that you signed that you can't strike. 
because you're essential personnel. And they said, well, okay, then we won't strike. We'll just, have, we'll just all call in sick that day. We'll just call in sick until we get this, this price raise that we want. So Reagan says, any controller that calls, calls in sick on the morning of Monday, the whatever, ever, will be fired. And something like 18,000 or something called in sick. Fired. And he fired. Now, the Soviets are watching this. Yeah. And prior to it actually happening, the Soviets said, look, he's just another tough talking guy. He's a cowboy. He's an actor. You know, he's just, we, we don't need to take him very seriously. And when, when they realized that Reagan was ready to cripple the commercial air service in the United States for years because he said he would over a principle, once Reagan did that, then the Soviets looked in, they, they spent the rest of the Reagan administration and the Bush administration in, in absolute fear of this guy because he believed in principles and he was willing to act on them and, and make sacrifices for the principle. He's, he's basically going to cause enormous economic damage to the United States because this was, they were in an immoral position. They were in violation of the law. And so you're fired. And they did fire him. And, and then they had to bring in all these military controllers and bring back retired guys. Oh, it's nuts. It took yeah. us seven, eight, ten years to get to get ATC back on back on track. But the Soviets, from that point forward, the Cold War was over. And that's the heart. Bill, what you just said, I think, is the heart of this Brittany Griner thing, because the difference between that and this is that this was purely transactional. There were no principles on the line. Correct. Um, Scott, Correct. to wrap this up, I'm going to argue that there was a principle on the line. But but before I say what that is, I just want to say a couple of things. One, uh, I don't care that uh, Brittany Griner is gay or black or anything else. I don't even care that she plays basketball because I just... I don't care about basketball at all. College, professional, it's all just lame to me. It's not my sport. Um, I do care that she's anti-American, but mostly I care that she's an idiot. Uh, uh, don't bring drugs into Russia is the free center square on your international travel bingo card. You just She knew it and she knew it. Of course she, she just, knew it. She's entitled. Yes. She's just, you know, she's a protected class. Of course she knew it. But, she just thought it, nothing would happen. But yeah. but here's so. where I'm going to just have a, a slight disagreement with Scott here about the principal thing. There was a principle involved here, and it's domestic politics. Mm -hmm. Usually when I gripe yep. about Democrats, I'm referring very specifically to Washington elected officials and all the left-wing bureaucrats. I, I don't – Democrat voters, you are my fellow Americans. Yes. We have our differences. That's fine. However <sighs> – this was all about domestic politics. This was about President Joe Biden bringing home a celebrated multi-sectional minority because there is a constituency of Democrat voters for whom it is more important to bring home an intersectional anti-American Who's guilty? Who is guilty than it is to bring home a decorated United States Marine who is imprisoned on trumped up charges. And to those folks, we've got differences here that th these are too wide. You got to come home because there's there, there, there's no bridging this gap. You 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 dug that gap. You got to fill that in if we're going to share this country. Yeah. And if you want to if you if you don't want to salute a flag, go go move someplace where you can salute the flag. OK, there you that's go. the way I look at it. All right. And that wraps up your right angle on that.